Are you ready, ready, ready? You are listening to Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio. Did you know that this is yours? That's right. (laughs) Has been all day. (laughs) Are you ready for the end of the world? (laughs) We've been doing that promo since the end of the world in 1999. (laughs) Yeah, the first big apocalypse we went through. (laughs) Yeah, I just recently uh, saw a meme that says, I don't want to brag, but I've been through five apocalypses. (laughs) Yeah. So, are you ready for the end of the world? You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle. The circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up! And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit with Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And, and you may hear an occasional growl in the background from Bedelia. A growl? <laughs> yeah. She's watching Daniel Tiger. All right. Let's talk about the world ending. Warming drives unexpected pulses of CO2 from forest soil. As global temperature rise, they could trigger repeated surges of carbon dioxide emissions from forest soils and, in worst-case scenario, create runaway global warming, a long-term experience experiment carried out in New England research forest shows. The unexpected pulses of CO2 emissions are coming from evolving communities of micro wait a second evolving communities of microorganisms <laughs> yeah this sounds serious they're evolving to take advantage of our mistakes <laughs> it's just like including fungi and bacteria that break down carbon well we should just teach them to break down more like <laughs> you know make them be starving people and mm-hmm. just anyway Scientists have known that these microbes become more active in warmer temperature and they have theorized that CO2 emissions would spike with rising temperatures and then decline as the microbes deplete carbon. Wait a second. We don't want them to deplete carbon in the soil. (laughs) Yeah, we want them to keep carbon in the soil, but they're spitting it out now. (laughs) But the repeated surges of CO2 emissions over time from several artificially heated research plots came as a surprise. The experiment, beneath oaks and maples in the Harvard Forest in Massachusetts, started in 1991, when scientists heated 18 test plots of forest ground to 5 degrees Celsius above the temperature of adjacent areas and started to measure how the soil changed. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine this. They got these test plots, and then... They heated up 5 degrees. (laughs) They put... I don't know, a heater that blows heat over it? How do you heat up the soil? Yeah, I don't know, well, maybe like radiators. You know, put black plastic over that, but then it would probably kill everything underneath it because it heat it too much. Yeah. So mm-hmm. maybe they, they put the black plastic like, you know, six inches above the soil. I don't know. Yeah. This, is, well, this is intriguing. Scientists are pretty clever. I'm sure they found a way to do <laughs> it. <laughs> in a study published this week in the journal Science, the scientists describe what they've learned so far and discuss the connections between the warmer soil and the surprising up and down cycle of co2 emissions which holds clues to changes ahead in a warming future they said they nearly ended their observations when co2 losses tapered off after five where did i get five from it says 10 years tapered off after 10 years but then a second pulse of emission started the second surge suggests that the microbes in the soil 
are evolving to be able to break down more resistant mineral and wood-based sources of carbon, the scientists said. There have been signs of similar responses in other regions, raising concerns about, quote, a long-term self-reinforcing carbon feedback from mid-latitude forests, end quote. Now, that's a scientific sentence there. That's part of the concern is that if this happens, you know, and it sounds like it is starting to happen, that the the forest will emit more CO2 and the CO2 will make it hotter and that will make them emit more CO2. It's like a vicious cycle. Yeah, it'd create this intensive global warming loop. Yeah. You know, basically, you know, runaway global warming, right? Yeah. Exactly how much CO2 could be released and how fast it would be pumped out is still the subject of intense but long-term. I mean, they've... They started this project in 91, intense but long-term research. And the results from the controlled experiment at Harvard Forest are difficult to figure out on a large scale or wide scale. But the findings fit similar patterns documented by different types of studies at forests in Sweden and from long-term ecological monitoring in southern Germany. Yeah, like it might turn out that forests that aren't oak-based forests might have more emissions or less emissions. So it's still going to take a lot of research to uh, expand this extrapolate to other forests. But that is still a concerning feedback. Man, if we could just train that fungi and bacteria to not be hungry. (laughs) Yeah, or if we could train it to suck down the carbon instead of spitting it out. Right. I mean, I've heard of carbon harvesting where they're trying to figure out ways to take the carbon out of the atmosphere and put it in the soil because you want it in the soil because it makes the soil more robust. But if it's escaping out of the soil and, you know, out of trees and other places that grab it out of the air, we're going to have a bigger issue than we already do. Did you know that California's out-of-control wildfires are wildfires are officially the worst in state history. Now, this is a big deal for me because, um, I mean, it's a big deal for the people there, but I'm going to see it firsthand unless, basically, June 4th, June 4th. I'm just making up stuff today. <laughs> November 4th, I got invited to the Solar Pioneer Party right where this fire is yeah. in Mendocino County. It's actually got within six miles of the Willits campground where a couple hundred people, my peers and um, heroes, are planning to gather for the Solar Pioneer Party, the um, third and final one. And it's a big deal because this whole party was brought together originally to do a documentary about the solar pioneers that started the solar industry. And it was easier to get them to all come together than to have the documentary filmmakers, you know, travel all over the country. Yeah. And so that was the first Solar Pioneer Party. And I missed that because that was um, my father's memorial weekend. Mm. I made it to last year's and I got to hang out with my colleagues and heroes. And this year, there's a lot of talk on um, social media in our group whether it's going to be canceled because of the fires. Yeah. Like, in theory, the fires will be done by then. But in practice, they're breaking records. It's still going. So, And people are posting a lot of pictures. I mean, 
heartbreaking images are pouring in from wine country north of San Francisco. Yeah, and what I noticed some of the other articles mentioned too that it's no longer just wine country. You know, it's it's not just out in the wine fields. It's affecting residences. It's affecting businesses. It's uh, it's a big deal. Well, At least 21 people have died in the blazes so far. And in one county alone, 670 people are listed as missing. That's it. That's scary and tremendous. Yeah. Now, like, hopefully most of them will be found because yeah. they have, you know, um, what is it, evacuated. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, they may have evacuated. It speaks to the chaos of it, though. Even if they end up finding almost all of them, there's still this situation where hundreds of people just got displaced. And I had friends who are in it, and they went to, it was not mandatory evacuation. It was like recommended evacuation, and they went to leave, and they ran into some firefighters that said, um, you shouldn't worry too much about it. So they did go back to their house last night. Now, the devastating wildfires in Sonoma, Napa, and Mendocino counties have reached historic proportion. More than 3,500 structures have been destroyed as of Wednesday morning. That surpasses the damage of the 1991 Oakland Hills firestorm, previously the worst wildfire disaster in state history. Nationally, this week's fires ranks as the most destructive wildfire complex since at least 1980. Although California's epic five-year drought has largely ended, it led to a diseased and weakened trees that have fed the flames of the current fires. Plus, last winter's heavy rains spurred the growth of grasses and shrubs which have since dried out during a record warm summer, leading to a whole lot of dead things available to burn. Tack on the exceptionally strong Diablo winds and a few stray sparks and we're seeing the horrific consequences. Although the fires have burned more than 170,000 acres, an area more than one-fifth the size of the state of Rhode Island, the National Weather Service forecasts strong winds and low humidity, which could cause the fires to grow even more in the next few days. As climate change continues to make droughts longer and more severe, conditions unfortunately like this will become more and more common. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. Not the kind of records we were hoping to break. But a lot of record breaking going on. Due in part to climate change. Can, can we now have some good news? <laughs> yeah, we've got some good news. We usually start out with some of the bad news at, 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 so you know the problems going on, and then you warm up with some good things. Well, our slogan is gloom and doom with enough sense of humor to slather your brain. I rarely trot that out, but you, <laughs> you remember that one? We, yeah. We came up with that one sometime. That's why we sometimes in these serious stories insert jokes and <laughs> such, because we try to lighten the mood. It's like, I have a dark humor. <laughs> yeah. Helps us get through. So here's some great news for the climate, though. Great news for the climate. What, what about us? Well, yeah. Wait a second. We're part of the climate. Yeah, we're the humans who are going to have our life's, lives wrecked by the climate if we're not careful. Uh, but this news is that banking, a banking giant is ditching the tar sands and Arctic drilling. In a move being hailed as a win for the climate, banking giant BNP Paribas announced on Wednesday that it's severing ties with companies whose main business is connected to shale and or oil from tar sands. Now, I mean, that's like really dramatic. Severing ties. Yeah, severing ties. It's not like we just kind of like, you know, you know, walk away. Yeah, they're we're not like, just sending a stern letter. <laughs> they're saying, if you're doing this, we're done. Uh, so they will stop financing transportation projects for such fuels. 
And that's an important one too, because it's, you know, as long as the transportation and infrastructure is there, somebody else is going to try to do it. And they will not finance any oil or gas projects in the Arctic region, which is another big concern. A feedback loop is as the warming happens, you can get to more oil in the Arctic, and then you burn more oil. <laughs> so they're acting on several issues at once here. In concrete terms, writes Jean-Laurence Bonifay, director and CEO of BNP Paribas, quote, these decisions mean that we will cease providing finance to a number of companies and organizations that are not making an effort to be part of the transition to a less greenhouse gas emitting economy. Okay, I mean, this is even more so. Not only are they saying we're not going to finance destructive projects. Yeah, but they're coming out and saying that it's important to transition to a uh, a less greenhouse gas emitting economy. Yeah, so the, that and means... This is a finance institution. You know, it's it's one thing for people on the radio to say stuff like that, but... Well, they uh, realize there's money in saving the world. Yeah. <laughs> Just like... Yeah, yeah if, the, if, if the climate destroys human society, their uh, quarterly returns are not going to look very good. So, yeah. Uh, here we go. We have the... According to Lucy Pinson, Friends of the Earth, France's private finance campaigner, it's, quote, great news for the climate and a huge victory for the groups who have been mobilizing in support of indigenous peoples who are on the front lines of the impacts of tar sands, shale gas, and LNG projects in North America. Her organization, along with the other climate groups, was behind a report issued earlier this year that denounced the bank for contributing to a range of serious potential climate environmental, and social impacts through its financing help for a proposed Texas LNG project. A press statement from the group notes that the decision means the bank won't finance export terminal in the Rio Grande Valley. So it's a case of, of win for the, the environmental movements uh, and the indigenous rights movement because they went, they wrote this report about this particular company and the harm it was doing, and then the company said, you know what, we're right, we're not going to finance that anymore. Alex Spears Roche, an oil campaigner with Greenpeace Canada, similarly called it, quote, a testament to the diligent work of indigenous activists, environmental groups, concerned citizens, and everyone advocating to reform the financial sector. More and more banks and investment funds recognize that in order to preserve their reputations and long-term financial performance, tar sands pipelines and other extreme fossil fuel projects are not the way to go, he added. Banks such as TD and Desjardins that stake their reputations on being socially responsible should expect growing resistance if they continue to fund pipelines such as Kinder Morgan. And there is like, you know, banks do, big banks do often rely a lot on reputation and if your reputation goes down the tubes because of who you're funding, then uh, you're out of luck. Patrick McCulley, director of the Rainforest Action Network's Climate and Energy Program, also draws attention to J.P. Morgan Chase, the largest U.S. funder of tar sands, saying that it and other U.S. banks now need to decide if they want to continue to follow the Trump dirty energy agenda or change course and get in alignment with trying to avert climate disaster. Da-da-da-da. I'm going to have a lot of editorial, but let me first read this article. Yeah, I was, part, of why, part of why this one caught my attention was I was curious what your editorial would be. Okay. Elon Musk, 
Tesla could help Puerto Rico power up again with microgrids. Could Puerto Rico rebuild its electric system in a radically new way to use more renewable energy, lower costs, and improve reliability? Two heavyweight players appear interested in the idea. On Thursday, Tesla chief executive Elon Musk tweeted that his company, which also owns SolarCity, had built miniature independent power networks, or microgrids, on smaller islands by pairing solar panels with its battery systems, and that, quote, it can be done for Puerto Rico, too. Puerto Rico Governor Ricardo Rosaloi responded on Twitter saying, Let's talk. Do you want to show the world the power and scalability of your Tesla technologies? PR could be the flagship project. On Friday, he tweeted, Let's talk today. I'll be in touch. He later tweeted that they had a great initial conversation and teams are now talking and exploring opportunities. The island's electricity grid was devastated by Hurricane Maria, which knocked out power entirely. As of Thursday, only 11% of customers had the lights back on. Authorities had said it would be months before power is restored to most of the island. Now, the damage has prompted many renewable energy advocates to say the island's grid which is almost entirely reliant on fossil fuels, should be built back greener and more resilient. They say that building a series of microgrids, which would tie together solar or wind generation and batteries, could be cheaper and faster than trying to rebuild a centralized system reliant on large conventional power plants. Once they are in place, they say the system would be more flexible, cheaper to run, and better able to withstand future storms. Now, New York has been promoting microgrids in the state for these reasons. Uh, Tesla has built such systems on uh, different islands. But here's my editorial. All the people in the solar industry are doing a lot of things about talking about helping. But only a few companies are already there helping. Um, Outback Power went there they've already they do the exact same thing tesla does microgrids they already have they've sent like five engineers down there and they're already shipping containers of stuff to do the hospitals and get them up and running yeah they're already doing it um what's another one uh luminade this is a very small portable uh cell phone charger and uh, light they have a campaign that basically people can uh, buy one and donate it, or whenever you buy one, the company will donate one. Yeah. They have over 20,000 of them there, being shipped in. <laughs> yeah. um, my company is part of the Luminade campaign, so if you come to our showroom and buy one, one gets shipped to Puerto Rico. So, yeah. Um, so I would be maybe next week we can find a story about those. Uh, grassroots effort because it's you know the idea is you know i'm sure a lot of people right now are having the idea but it would be good to highlight the ones who are actually there doing it already right and the truth is is they don't have the money to do it on large scale like tesla is yeah so tesla's going to sweep in and try to like supersede them right well i mean the thing is is what tesla does is create a lot of buzz yeah you know that's what they are doing and that's needed but it's possible to do that and has been possible to do what 
Tesla has been advocating for 20 years. Yeah. It's just finally Tesla is bringing it to the mainstream that people are talking about it, which is phenomenal. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot of islands are talking about doing this because with microgrids, you can have like major parts. I mean, you can have all the power lines go because each building is independent yeah. and part of the grid. And so even if the power line goes, you know, the hospital can continue to operate, the clinic continue to operate, the fire station continue to operate, you know, so. Um, yeah, and it makes sense for islands in general, but it seems like it especially makes sense in a case like this where a lot of the infrastructure has been wiped out anyway. You know, if you've already got infrastructure that's currently working, there's this inertia where it's like, well, maybe someday we'll change to that. But now it's wiped out. They're figuring out what to do. Why not go with solar and microgrids? And so this is what the the PR and marketing companies that specifically do solar said. Don't do any press releases. Don't brag about what you can do. Just go do it. And then after you do it, you send out press releases and brag about what you've done instead of saying what you can do. Yeah, because that's and one downside of Tesla's buzz is that people might file it in the same category of, oh, we're going to go to Mars eventually. You know, like They might see it as a pie-in-the-sky thing, mm-hmm. when actually there are people who are doing it right now. Correct. Yep. So um, today is International Skeptics Day, <laughs> and so I'm kind of skeptical that, you know, there's these people out there talking about doing stuff. I like to see people do it and then talk about how they did it. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm calling them out. Do stuff. I still have a client that ordered a Tesla battery two and a half years ago and still hasn't gotten it. Oh, yeah. They paid a 10% down payment on it, and they still haven't gotten it. <laughs> so calling you out. <laughs> Quit talking about it. Start doing it. Now, they're doing a lot of stuff, too. Yeah. So They are notorious, though, for with the cars and the batteries and everything where – they overpromise, you know. They yeah, they're get, a sales company. They That's, get really ambitious. They overpromise, yeah. and they eventually deliver stuff. But you know, they frustrate a lot of people along the way. <laughs> Just like, but so, I mean, you have to have someone who are visionaries. Yeah. I mean, that's what you know. Apple did everything they pretty much did as a company is they, you know, said we want to do this, and they talked about doing it. And then they eventually did it. Yeah. And so that's Tesla's kind of following that same model. Yeah. So. But good to have International Skeptics Day. (laughs) Be skeptical of claims until they're actually demonstrated. So it's good we have a balance. Today's Friday the 13th, and it's International (laughs) Skeptics Day. Yeah. So. So the skeptics will say there's actually no bad luck today. (laughs) It's just like, um, tomorrow is Be Bald and Free. I think I need to reprint the shirts I had, I'm not bald. That's a solar panel for my sex machine. <laughs> and I actually sold them out. I never saw a bald person buy it, but yeah. people bought them for bald people. For bald people, yeah. yeah so um, might have to reprint that shirt. All right. It's also National Dessert Day. Oh, that's, yeah. Another reason to make a chocolate milkshake like I did a couple weeks ago. Uh, let's see. We have, oh, I, I don't, this one is Boss's Day. <laughs> it's an everyday Boss's Day. Uh, but yeah, if you've got a good boss, you know, there are many bad bosses out there. So if you've got a good one, Monday is the day to celebrate them. Uh, dic- Na- Dictionary Day. National Pasta Day and Wear Something Gaudy Day while you eat pasta. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they've got the edible, um, what is it, sparkles or um, I'm trying to think of what it's called. You know, um, 
Anyway, that would be gaudy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Wednesday's no beard day. I've actually never shaved my beard. Me neither. I trim it now, but I've never shaved the full thing. Well, you might. You want to try it? <laughs> I don't think so. Do some. If we had known about this ahead of time, we could have done some kind of fundraiser. Yeah, a no beard fundraiser. <laughs> hey, if you see Tree Song and I in public, tell us how much you'll pledge to support WDBX radio station if we shaved our beards. We have never done that. I would feel very, very naked if I didn't have a beard because I've always had one. And the day after no beard is evaluate your life day. So if I actually had no beard, I would have to reevaluate because I've always had one. Mm, yeah. So big months uh, observed this month. We have uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Oh, Computer Learning Month is a good one. There are lots of good ones here. Domestic Violence Awareness Month. The Women's Center has events going on related to that. International Drum Month. And National Pizza Month. And National Vegetarian Month. So vegetarian pizza, this is your month. And Seafood Month. <laughs> so put some seafood on your vegetarian pizza because it's also Sarcastic Month. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Keep everyone confused. All right. Some happenings. Happenings. We have Unity Points, Sunset Concert, and Silent Auction. It's coming up today at 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. over at Unity Point. The Unity Point Sunset Concert is Unity Point's first outdoor concert event. This event will be an evening of great music, kettle corn, and pumpkins. There will be two bands, Beth Davis and Friends and Carter and Connolly. The silent auction features many great items from local businesses and artists that have generously donated to this event. This is a family-friendly event. Bring your lawn chairs, blankets, and picnic dinners and enjoy a fall evening under the stars while helping support our local school. All proceeds from the event will benefit Unity Point, School Beta Club, and the Music Department. Meow or Never Rescue Fun Run. Yeah, this one sounds like a fun one. It's uh, on Saturday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at John A. Logan College. It's the first annual fun run benefiting the Finding Forever Animal Rescue. Registration starts at 9 and the race starts at 10. There's going to be a bouncy house, a photo booth, and face painting. There's a registration fee since it's a fundraiser. Walkers are welcome. Dogs are welcome too, but must be leashed. For more information, you can visit FindingForeverAnimalRescue.org. This next week, the October 14th through the 19th, Pumpkin Glow, the Pumpkin Carvings. Please join for the area's first nighttime jack-o'-lantern trail hike. A trail at the Oakland Preserve will be lined with hundreds of jack-o'-lanterns, creating an ethereal and beautiful nighttime hike. The event is sponsored in part by the Carbondale Park District, and all proceeds will go to benefit both the Boys and Girls Club of Carbondale and Green Earth. Area children will be given the opportunity to carve or decorate pre-hollowed pumpkins that will be placed along the trail. Free pumpkin carving decorating events will be held at different locations around Carbondale leading up to the pumpkin glow. For more information and a jack-o'-lantern submission form, visit greenearthinc.org slash pumpkin dash glow. And the actual hike itself is October 20th and 21st at the Oakland Nature Preserve. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's a whole bunch of different events where you can go and carve your pumpkin. Yes, 
Sounds really fun. I, I like I like jack-o'-lanterns and I like hiking, so it sounds like a great combination for a good cause. Also coming up is the Outdoor Spanish Immersion Class. It's on Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Crab Orchard National Wildlife Refuge. Do you speak Spanish? Are you trying to learn? Do you have a child in a Spanish class that needs some practice? One of the best ways to learn a new language is to immerse yourself in it. The Spanish Immersion class lets you try your hand at speaking Spanish on a beautiful hike with bilingual rangers. The program includes a brief introduction at the visitor center of the Crab Orchard National Wildlife Refuge, followed by a short hike. Call 618-997-3344 to register or for more information. That's Saturday, 10 a.m. at the Crab Orchard National Wildlife Refuge. I think Bedelia was excited about that one because we're going to that one. We're teaching her Spanish and English, so... It's a good opportunity to be outdoors and do uh, have a bilingual experience. New Humanist Forum, the Center for Empowerment and Justice. It's coming up on uh, Sunday at the Carbonell Unitarian Fellowship. So the New Humanist Forum topic, Center for Empowerment and Justice, will be presented by James Chapman. Sunday, 1215 at the Carbonell Unitarian Fellowship. And you have been listening to your community spirit on your community radio station. Don't forget, Treesong and I are going to do a fundraiser <laughs> to uh, shave our beards if we get a, enough money. I don't know how much that'll be. Neither of us have ever completely shaved. Yeah. So think about that because uh, Wednesday is no beards day. So that got us thinking that we would like to figure out a way to support. We just... I literally just thought about it on the air and mm-hmm. rope tree song in. He's not really completely on board, but well, we'll uh, see what offers we get. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah. So we, we know a lot of good nonprofits that could benefit from it. So just like, if you would like to see some weird um, shaven faces, uh, let us know. All right, we will see you again on the air next week. Thank you for listening.